Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me author Wolf Moon. Now, Wolf is a science fiction fantasy author. He is um, he has I don't know how many awards, but you're you're a prolific writer. You have so a, a ton of awards. Not only that, you have helped other people um, with their writing, and and they've won awards as well. So, like, I always liken it to like a football coaching tree. Like Bill Walsh is like um, coaching tree has helped so many people. Like they can they can kind of trace their lineage back. Like with you, like, you know, the seeds that you're sowing to help other people will help other people and they can all trace back to you. And I, I know you were mentored by, by other people who can trace back to them. So I, I love this idea of mentoring and helping people. And I appreciate that. But uh, as far as your own writing, like you have phenomenal success, including a short story that you sold at 15 years old. Um, go ahead and I'll turn the time over to you. You can kind of introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Carson. Um, yeah, we met at Fanex. That was the first time I was invited there as a speaker guest. So that was really nice. Got to be on a panel panel with Brandon Sanderson. That was really cool. So, uh, and I got to have a booth there and was selling my super secrets of writing illustrated workbook. And Wait, I'm going to hold that up real quick if people have awesome. it. So this is, this is the book. Sorry, there's a glare on my computer screen is, is doing it, but it's a fantastic book that that you're you're selling so i want to promote that as well so sorry about that i just wanted to show that no that's great and it just shows you walked by and saw it and said oh this is interesting and then you said oh i've got the show and that's how we met so um as far as my history goes i learned storytelling from my grandmother who was chippewa ojibwe and she raised me for a while when my parents split up and Every night I begged a story from her and we'd sit by the pot bellied stove, the fire roaring, and I'd beg a story from her and she shared her heritage with me through these stories. And I learned cliffhangers from it because she would always end with a cliffhanger and I'd be like, no, tell me more, grandma. She says, no, that's tomorrow night. <laughs> and uh, so I learned about uh, talking squirrels and deer and and uh, really just a lot about uh, the animal nature and how we're all tied in with the earth uh, through my grandmother. But I learned storytelling as a little kid uh, in kindergarten and first grade, that's, I mean, it was just ground into me by my grandmother. So um, what, but I really like science fiction and fantasy. And maybe that's why, because all of her stories were about talking animals. And, and even she made me this thing called a moon dawdler, which was a toy that would walk, would waddle behind me on a chain. And it had these antennas on it that would, and she told, I said, what is this grandma? And she said, it's a little creature that lives on the moon. It's called a moon dawdler. And so all of that, stirred my imagination as a kid. And so I owe my grandma to one uh, at 15. I was writing as soon as I could learn to write, which was before kindergarten. But, uh, and, and this is pretty typical with most writers. It's not like I'm unique. Well, we have an affinity for words. It's, it's ground into our genes. So, but at 15, I wrote a science fiction story uh, called The Last Ray of Light. And I sent that into Scholastic Art and Writing Awards and it won. And that's the national contest, it's big. And then the editor at Science Fiction, uh, let's see, Science World, saw my story, bought it from me, and published it in Science World. And this is a science magazine that went out to all high schools. And so I had a science fiction story, and that's why I bought it. And it was about uh, future technology, so that's why they liked it. And I suddenly had a story at 15 that was a pro sale, uh, 500000 per issue. <laughs> so uh, it's I, I've been trying to race to catch up to that sale ever <laughs> since. So then, yes, I've had about 40 different... Uh, writing awards, actually over that, uh, in, in writing, another 30 in 
public speaking. Uh, the big ones, Star Trek Strange New World. So I'm actually in the Star Trek canon. I sold a story to that anthology by Dean Wesley Smith. And I won Writers of the Future. So that was a big feather in my cap because that's launched many careers, mm -hmm. including Patrick Rothfuss and Dean Wesley Smith, my mentor, and many David Farland, another mentor who just passed away this past year. So um, anyway, so that's what brought me up to here. Now, after I won Writers of the Future, I said, well, I could go pursue my career now because this was my goal. I tried to win Writers of the Future for 25 years. Um, I got really close several times because you get a little, you get a letter from them when you get close and you get a little critique. Um, so I knew I was close. But uh, about four years ago, that's probably five years ago now, I won. And then I set up a workshop to help other writers free I, they could sign up at the beginning of the year. It was one year long. I set it up in the Writers of Future forum because there were a bunch of dedicated writers in there trying to trying to learn how to write. And I taught it for free. I called it the Super Secrets. And in the last four years, eight that were in my workshop, either one Writers of the Future were published finalists or both. And this is the largest talent search for new fiction, speculative fiction writers in the world. Thousands enter every quarter. So for one workshop to keep producing winners, one of my clients won as well. So if you count me, 10 of us, uh, I'll won this hardest contest in the world to win for new writers. And many others won other contests, uh, won the Mike Resnick Memorial Award, won the Bain Adventure Fantasy Award. So uh, this was my way of giving back. I had figured it out. And I remembered all the pain I went through. So I developed the super secrets to help other writers make it easier for them to streamline the process. So you didn't spend years beating your head against the wall when there could be just one thing holding you back and you never knew it. So that's where it came from. You have one of the products from that. And then the new product will be the book, How to Write a Howling Good Story, which is in my Kickstarter right now. So that brings us up to speed. No, that's an amazing story. And and let's let's talk about the Kickstarter real quick, um, how to write uh, a howling good story um, that just was launched on December 7th, if I, if I remember right. Um, and can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? What, uh, what can people look forward to the, to in, be included in that book? Yeah. So um, yeah. So in the first day of the Kickstarter, it uh, funded in, you know, it was $1,900 funding and it funded in less than 10 minutes by the end of the day it had over five thousand dollars funding in the kickstarter uh today it just in this just a little over a week i think eight days we're at twelve thousand dollars now so it's like six six hundred and fifty percent probably over funding which is really good no that's um, amazing so, and it's, I've still got like 20 some more days to go on the Kickstarter. So uh, it's called How to Write a Howling Good Story. If you go Wolf Moon, W-U-L-F, Wolf Moon in Kickstarter and How to Write a Howling Good Story, you'll find it. But when I do searches, it comes up number one in nonfiction in the world many times uh, through this process. So uh, it's been very popular. It's doing really well. And your question was what's in the book? So, excuse me. Um, so what's in the book are my super secrets that I actually uh, have online that have helped so many other writers. Uh, they've had over 800,000 views, but it's in this gigantic thread. 
Uh, I just kept adding secrets uh, to help writers. As I was editing this, my workshops stories, and, and like I said, this is all for free and it's all open for people to read. It's inside the Writers of Future forum. Um, and as I was editing stories, I kept seeing that writers had, emerging writers had the same kind of issues. And if I could give them an easy way to see those issues and to see their way out, they would start selling their stories. And that's exactly what happened. And as I went on, I could see, oh, they still haven't gotten it. I need another super secret to help them. Uh, one of the most basic, I had to go back and make super secret number zero manuscript, proper manuscript format for the win because they couldn't get, everybody wants to flower up their manuscripts and make them look pretty. No, there's a standard boring stamp to all professional manuscripts and editors are familiar with it. And when you uh, bypass that or do something weird or funky or do cursive font or whatever you want to do, suddenly you're not a professional and they know it immediately as they look at your manuscript. So even, you know, all these kinds of things, they all add up to what it means to be a professional. And editors can spot it within a couple sentences with looking just at the first page of your manuscript. And like that, you are either going to get a deeper read or you're going to get passed on and get those awful rejections that we all hate to get, but are a necessary process of our apprenticeship. So uh, that's how it works anyway. So the book is all about these super secrets that helped all these other writers. And uh, since then, if I can go on, uh, I developed the Wolfpack writers. So anybody that took my workshops could be inside of my Wolfpack. It's a Discord group. And once they took the workshops, it means that they understood the philosophies of what I was trying to do and were applying it in their writing. And then we worked on it inside of the workshop. This too is free. The, uh, I just stay with my writers to help them succeed. This year, we've been targeting anthologies. So uh, I have them do exercises, but anthologies always have a theme, almost always. And so we state the theme and I ask them to write fresh stories for it. And so far uh, this year, we have been almost, and these are just open call anthologies for the most part. So anybody, you know, they usually have 800 submissions or more. And the Wolfpack, is about half of the accepted stories in the table of contents. Um, and, and one, they are half. <laughs> the other the other is like one shy of being half of all the stories, just random selected. And uh, that's to me, is pretty amazing that one writing group, I've, I've been in some great writing groups uh, with Nebula winners, Hugo winners, Stoker winners, all in the same group. Same group David Farland was in, same group Dean Wesley Smith was in. And I never saw us do something like this. So it's very unique, but it's because we are working on specific principles of writing and all of our stories. I teach it to everyone that's in the Wolfpack, W-U-L-F, and... Uh, and then we go at it. We, we target. I say, I say we run as a wolf pack to take down our prey. And so I'll pick an anthology I think we'd have a good shot at. And then we go at it. And these are pro-paying anthologies, are respectable anthologies. It's not like um, it's something unheard of. So um, and then, like you said, we also target every quarter writers of the future. And that's why we've had so many winners. That's amazing track record. Now, I love and what people might think of where um this is like your super secrets is like a, a formulate process or, or whatever. And it, it might be, but it's not like, it doesn't sound like a cookie cutter. It's like, okay, these are things you need to watch out for. And these are things you need to do. Uh, and if you do those, you'll be successful. Now I'm going to relate that. I was a wrestling coach for 20 years. Um, and the, 
we, we developed a system to coach for success. And, you know, it started with little things. And as it grew, you, you developed and, and, and grew. But each, each wrestler, um, you know, had their strengths, had their weaknesses. Um, they, some people like different moves than others. But um, if, if you took the system and built on it, we as coaches, you as a, as a, as a coach as well for, for writers, can find people's strengths and um, develop them and make them better than what they think. Is that, does that kind of sound similar, like relatable? That's exactly it. So what you're teaching instead of rules are principles. These are principles for success. So there are basics, like, you know, a certain hold works and a certain, a different uh, counter, you know, there are specific counters to that um, in, you know, different karate and different Taekwondo and things like that. They, they just practice these muscle memory moves and uh, they're just there ready to fall back on when they need it. So it's so, they're so practiced in it. They just fall back on it and do it automatically. So these are just foundation principles, but when you learn the principles, your creativity just flows into that and it makes it yours. But if you don't know like the principles of a story, like if you don't know stories need tension <laughs> and they have to have some kind of conflict. And believe me, I've read many stories that don't from aspiring writers. Well, it's it's writing, but it's not going to sell because like Margaret Atwood said, the number one thing in storytelling is hold my attention. Well, if you don't have any problems and it's just a beautiful day and everything's going right. I mean, we want that. But in our stories, we want to have some trials, some proof that this person's learning something, going through an adventure. That's what an adventure is, some perils and pitfalls, as well as the triumph at the end. So, so writers need to know these principles, and they're hard, hardwired within us. Our ancestors knew them. If you go all the way back to the beginning of time and our, our deepest in history recorded stories they've always got characters they're in tough settings like the odyssey and they face problems on the journey but they learn along the way you know just understanding that that's what a story is helps you write with your own touch and your own flair your story so but you've got to know that the things that people expect and the and the ones that really expect our editors because they know all this stuff they've they've been reading thousands of stories and so they know when you've written something that their readers will appreciate so so understanding the format especially if you're selling to western markets of western stories it's different in eastern cultures but in western uh, storytelling. There's certain things that we expect as readers. And if you as a writer don't get that in, your story is going to fail and you won't know it, but editors will know it and they won't buy it. And so it'll never get to your readers. So they get to read your great story. So anyway, well, that's, that's, that's what that's I teach awesome. the principles of writing. So that's fantastic. Now you said in your intro that you, you know, you were sitting at the, the feet of your, your grandmother, listening to stories. Um, when you, when you moved on in your first, uh, introduction to fantasy and science fiction what what were some of the books that, that inspired you and and not only that but like it, it, what was it about it that you're like i want to make people feel this way so i'm going to become a writer yeah so like i said from an early age i was just writing so uh, uh my first my first books were dinosaur books and and i love trying to pronounce the latin names of all the dinosaurs so um uh, I, I can remember both my legs were in casts. I had to have my leg, my, I had intern feet and I would 
trip. I couldn't walk when I was younger. I had to have surgery and have my legs turned back out. They were pretty severe. So I was in casts for months and I had a girlfriend. This was in like first grade. And I would read to her out of my dinosaur book and she would just be amazed. It's like, how can you read all those dinosaur names? And I said, I just can, you know, and, but that's, what I said, when we're hardwired as writers, words are just natural to us. We just we just flow into them. So uh, and I got bypassed from your question, which was what really moved me. And now you have to remember, I was in the 70s. OK, so the fantasy genre, there was science fiction, but the fantasy genre was pretty much Tolkien and uh, I think Shannara was just just coming up. So there really wasn't anything there in the fantasy market. So so I read a lot of science fiction um, and had a wonderful class in high school called uh, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. And we had a book that was just my my teacher loved science fiction. So I read tons of science fiction. I actually had a science fiction class in a public school in high school, if you can believe that, in a small rural community. So that's awesome. I had this amazing mentor in high school uh, because he actually went to the principal and said, this guy's talented. I want to develop a class just for him so he can write. And he actually made a class just for me. And I would go in while he was grading his papers. So he might have had another alternative reason. Uh, he, while he was grading his papers, I would write stories and then he would find markets for me to send them to. So this is how I knew about scholastic art and writing awards and everything else. So anyway, so I had this young mentor, but uh, and so he directed me to a lot of great science fiction, um, Arthur C. Clarke and all of those, but uh, Robert Heinlein, of course. But uh, then I found Lord of the Rings, read that, and wow, I just love that. And then I found Ray Bradbury, holy smokes, poetry in prose. And, and and he captured all the things you love about childhood, the circus and the mystery and the scary things, you know, and uh, and he knew tension, but he did it with these poetic words and it just spoke to me. Um, so and then as time went on, I found other great writers and uh, I, I love the Shannara books. I, I've got a whole shelf of them of hardcovers behind me. They're just fun, you know, and uh, he, he took a springboard and actually took what Tolkien had done and made a whole new realm that people didn't know with the help of Lester Del Rey, I believe. And so this actually opened up the fantasy genre that we have today um, because it reinvented it. So, yeah. and then, and then one of my favorites is Tim Powers. I don't know. Uh, Tim Powers to me is the most literary fantasy writer alive today. And if you read on Stranger Tides, uh, this is where all the movies came from that we like with Johnny Depp. Well, it began with On Stranger Tides by Tim Powers. And they finally paid him, actually named one after his book and then paid him. So that was nice for Tim. Uh, and then Anubis Gates, I really love that one. Egyptian mixed with um, Old London. It's just just really cool. He, he takes mashups and does these crazy things that nobody else could figure out how they all connect. Uh, but he does his magic within them and it makes a sort of sense. And if you know, Tim, he's just this, he's got all these wild ideas and, and he's, he's just racing a mile and he's the most fun person to sit with and talk with if he can ever have the opportunity. Yeah. But you can see it in his personality and then you read his books and it's the same way. It's all this crazy <laughs> stuff, but he makes it all come together and he makes the plot work. So that's what I, there, there's a great writer. I hope people will discover Tim Powers. He's really good. You're not the first person to say like Tim Powers has influenced them and inspired them. Like 
Um, I, I honestly haven't read any of Tim Powers, but like he's on my list. I have a TBR, you know, a TB red list that is a mile long. So hopefully I can get to him one day. Now, um, you, you said, you you know, one of your goal was goals was to um, win Riders of the Future. Um, you know, L. Ron Hubbard, Riders of the Future, if people aren't familiar with that, it's a, it's a quarterly um, contest uh, that people can submit. It's an open submission and, and anybody can can uh, send a story in and hopefully win. Now, that was your goal. Um, how many stories did you submit uh, before you won? I don't like saying. <laughs> <laughs> but it will for you. Um, so like I said, 25 years, I submitted to Writers of the Future. Now, it was sometimes the years were tough. I've been through a lot of uh, tough trials in our in our life. And uh, sometimes uh, the years were better. Um, so but it was always either a story a year or four and a quarter. It just depended on how the year was. But I wouldn't let a year go by without getting a story in. So well over 40 times. Uh, but when I, I won it, uh, here was the situation. We had lost our, our island business in the San Juan Islands. We had lost our home. Uh, my wife had cancer. She had just gone through nuclear treatment where she actually had to eat a nuclear tablet. Wow. I couldn't be within eight feet of her. And I was looking, we were in a subs subsidized housing complex, and I was looking at what had happened to our life. And I said, okay, I've lost everything where do I go from here? And it's like, well, I've always wanted to be a full-time writer. And I, and I was always trying to make enough money that I could just kind of retire and write. That was my goal. And that never worked because whenever I thought I was almost there, the rug got pulled out from under me and all hell happened. Uh, but I got close several times. So, uh, so this time, you know, you're at the bottom of the barrel and you go, all right, what do I want to do? And I said, well, I want to be a full-time writer. Well, how do I do it? And I said, well, I know my friends like Dean Wesley Smith, Chris Rush, um, David Farland, all these people I knew had Patrick Rothfuss had had started their careers by winning writers of the future. So I knew that was a pathway to get you the exposure you need to, uh, to be able to build a career. So then I said, all right, what do I need to do in order to win it? And uh, because, like I said, every quarter, thousands of people enter this because they know the same thing and they pay great prizes. In fact, the grand prize is five grand. Um, and then they fly out all expenses, uh, except for a few meals and things to Hollywood, your hotel and everything else. And uh, you have a week long workshop, which is the greatest reward with all the top names like Kevin J. Anderson and Tim Powers um, and Orson Scott Carr. All these people are teaching you what they know. So this is why you really launch your career. You get all of this acceleration by being taught from the best mentors in the business. So anyway, I knew all of this. So here's what I decided. I have to enter a quarter, every quarter I have to enter a story. I can't be like haphazard about it. And I've got to write fresh stories every quarter. And I'm going to write them all different kinds of ways. I'm not just going to write, um, you know, fantasy stories or science fiction stories. I'm going to throw curveballs at them until I win. And I kept doing that over every quarter. Uh, of the 15 times I entered, I missed one quarter, I think. Um, of the 15 times I entered, only once did I not get a certificate. So I got like 14 certificates of honorable mention or higher. And uh, one of those being the finalist and my win. Um, but the most important thing I got when I hit semifinalist, and I've had a few of those, uh, but only one with David Farland. And 
David Farland wrote back when he hit semifinals, he get a critique from a New York Times bestselling author. And he wrote back and he said, Moon, on the level of world building alone, your story was probably better than all the other ones that I selected as finalists put together. He said, but you got to learn to kill your darlings. And uh, he said, what that means is, you know, you've got all this beautiful prose and you got to cut that down. And I took that to heart and I went, oh, man, uh, I used to work on an exercise to condense everything down that I won a major contest with and actually became writer of the year in this major international flash fiction contest. And so I said, oh, I know how to do this. I just wasn't doing it because I like writing long. And so I, I took that story that I'd sent to Writers of the Future, compressed it down, cut it in half from the 15,000 words it was down to eight. And I sent it off to Deep Magic and it sold, bang, just like that. And so then my next entries, uh, within a couple more entries after hearing what I needed to do, I won Writers of the Future. So just that one professional telling me, if you just did this, you would have won, changed everything for me. And that's transformed how my shorts, how I write my short stories. I was trying to write novels inside of short stories because that's what I love. So now I say I'm a novelist disguising himself as a short story writer. So, uh, but you have to learn what the principles are and what's expected by the editors for you to be able to sell. And I do have an interesting story about my winner if you do want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so, um, so this was... Like I said, when I, uh, my wife was going through all the nuclear stuff, she was pretty sick. Uh, she's, she's doing well now, um, but she was still pretty sick then. I was taking care of her. And so it was the last two days of the contest year. This was, like I said, a little over four years ago. And I asked her, Jules, if I go write my story for Writers of the Future, Will you be okay for a couple of days if I just have that time? And she said, yes. And so I had, at that point, it was half into the day. And I said, okay, now what should I write about? And she said, well, you did that one exercise you showed me about super duper moon girl and the amazing moon dawdler. I've always wanted to know what happened to her. And I said, okay, I'll go write that. Now to tell you what the story was, I've been seeing that all these Nebula and Hugo winners had these crazy titles. And so I thought, well, let me do a crazy title exercise. What would be my crazy title that would catch an editor's attention? Or in this case, a judge of a major contest. And so I developed Super Duper Moon Girl and the Amazing Moon Dawdler. Like I said, I had a little toy my grandma made me. It was about this, you know, about this big. And it had these antennas when go behind me when I when I would drag it along. And I uh, said, okay, so Moon Dawdler, who is Moon Dawdler? who is the super duper moon girl. And so I have an exercise where I write 250 words and that's what I did for this. And I just had her talk to me and it's actually the opening of my story. All right. But anyway, I wrote 250 words, stuffed it away and uh, went on. That was it. But my wife said, go write that story. I want to know what happened to her. I said, okay. So that day I wrote about a thousand words and that's because I had to do a whole bunch of lunar research because it's about a 12 year old girl named Dixie on the moon. And so I did a whole bunch of moon based research. And the next day I just started in the morning and wrote my next 5,200 words, just bang, 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 and wrote it all out. And at 11, 15 at night, the contest ended for the whole year at midnight. I handed it to my wife. I said, Jules, I haven't eaten. I'm diabetic too, so that wasn't a good thing. I said, I haven't eaten today. 
I don't even know if this is coherent. Can you read it while I go get something to eat and tell me if, you know, if I got to fix any typos here? And so I went back, got something to eat, came back into the bedroom at 11.45 p.m., and she was bawling. My wife was just bawling. And and I just looked at her and I went, <laughs> and she goes, why are you laughing? I'm crying. And I said, because it worked. <laughs> and uh, I grabbed the manuscript out of her hands. I didn't even say sorry or anything because the clock was ticking. I went in and I made changed out my typos. And at 11.50, that's all I could do. I never read the thing through. Um, at 11.56, I hit, hit submit, and that was my entry. And after 25 years, writing this one mad story as fast as I could actually proved to be my winner in Writers of the Future. So, and that changed everything for me because when you win that, like I said, you get all those wonderful benefits, and uh, everything's really taken off since then. No, that's amazing. And, you know, thank you. I kind of put you on the spot asking you how many times you entered, but I think it's a, it brings up an important part. Uh, excuse me, an important point. And that is how do you overcome discouragement, rejection and stuff like that? Like, um, you know, after five times, I, you know, I, I probably would have given up. How did you stay motivated um, with that and to continue on? Well, it's not easy. Um, you do doubt yourself. I, I've never doubted that I was a writer. I've always known that I'm a writer. Uh, but to be a professional writer when you're competing against other people, that's the hard part. It's like, am I good enough to, to actually sell uh, over some of these people? Uh, which is a problem when you're submitting to the big pro magazines. They've got Nancy Kress and Tim Powers and others sending their stories to them. So, of course, editors are going to take those over somebody that's unknown. Uh, even though I'd had some sales and it had some success and it won contests, um, still, that's not being a New York Times bestselling writer. So you're always competing against them. So um, entering writers of the future changes that because you are dealing with people who may have some pro sales, but they haven't had over four. Uh, so it levels the playing field uh, more for you. It's still hard because many of them are at professional level they just haven't made gotten disqualified out of it yet so they can write a story that's better than yours quite frankly that's what's happened uh, instead of being told late in the game that i was writing long uh they got told earlier in the game hey you've got to condense this and the other thing is you can be told that but you don't get it it takes a while for you to figure it out so the best thing you can remember with rejections is to realize like Dune with Frank Herbert, he got rejected. That was one of the most rejective novels ever. And it's one, that's one I forgot to mention, but it, that is my favorite science fiction novel. Um, and he never gave up. And he just kept sending it and sending it and sending it until finally he sent it to Chilton's, the automobile uh, repair manual company. And on a lark, they decided to print his novel. So, But he never gave up on it because he believed in himself and he believed in what he had written. And that's the thing that I guess that I can tell everybody is don't give up on your work. Now, I not only entered Writers of the Future for 25 years, but I have stories that I've been submitting to markets for 20 plus years. And, and I finally sold them to pro-paying markets. So sometimes it's just finding the right market for your story. They may have a bunch of other stories that are about... Um, medieval mermaids. And so they're not going to do a whole anthology on medieval mermaids when they're just doing a call for fantasy stories. Uh, that wasn't their objective. So 
somebody else got a couple in and that's it. They said, I can't take anymore. So anyway, that happens a lot and people don't know it. Editors don't have time to write to you. They're very busy. If they do, count it a blessing. Uh, if, and if they tell you, hey, this is what you need to work on, or I like this, if you just did this, uh, you know, listen to that because they're trying to help you and that they even took the time to do so. If you're getting a personal rejection from these busy editors, um, count that as, as an award and post those. I, I keep um, the cork board and I would put those up on it because they would show you that you came darn close and those feed you and that's how you deal with the rejection period which is the long dark night sorry but that's your apprenticeship and you're alone in your office writing and sending these stories out into the dark and getting letters back saying sorry we're not going to buy it um that's your apprenticeship and it's very lonely it's it's very challenging and it can eat you up and eat up your self-worth if you're not careful so uh try to get into a group because they will share the misery with you. You can unload on them. Um, try not to unload online because people see that. I've seen people do that and that's not good because editors see it too. Um, but you can talk to your group and, and the group will support you because they're going through the same thing. And the best way to get through rejection is to realize this, you are apprenticing. You have to write many words to become a master. Nobody thinks because they just wrote something they shouldn't think this or because they just picked up an instrument that they should go to Carnegie Hall. It's just a ridiculous thing to think about. And yet writers think that all the time. I just wrote the greatest thing that's ever been written. I wrote the great American novel. And sorry if it's your first one, not even Steinbeck's uh, sold his first ones. It, it took about, I think, four for him before he wrote the great American novel. So you have to apprentice somewhere. And that's your rejections. So look at it as I'm apprenticing. Everybody else had to go through this to get there. And why should I think I'm any different? I just have to learn my craft. But take in as much knowledge as you can. Read as much as you can. Uh, go to workshops with people that have done what you want to do. Um, that's why my writers are succeeding. Um, I've accomplished what they want to accomplish. So they've come to me and say, how did you get there? And then I show them. Here's, here's the quickest, fastest way. And these are the things that took me 25 years to learn. I can condense it all down for you in like that little booklet that you have, that, that workbook. Um, we're into the bigger book now, too. So um, and, and just accept that and you'll start seeing things happen. But if you're with a smart group, it's going to happen faster because they'll point out to, personally to you uh, in the smart group. You should have some published writers in there. And they'll point out what you need to do in order to get there. So, but then you got to do the work and there's no substitute for uh, doing the work. And so at some point you will master your craft and they'll start selling. And, and that's the next thing you see people have these breakout moments like that happened for me. Um, when I won writers of the future, I had four big things happen. I won the superstars. They're one of the best writing, um, workshops in the country. I won the Superstar Scholarship. I won Writers of the Future. I had a story sold to a professional anthology. And another uh, editor picked me up to become podcast director of his publication that became a pro anthology as well, um, Future Science Fiction Digest. So all that happened in two weeks. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And so bang, 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 bang. And you have to remember at that point in time, I had like 50 bucks to my name. So we were at the very bottom of the barrel. Like I told you, we'd lost everything. My wife was sick, all this stuff. And 
Yet I didn't give up on what I wanted to do. And my wife said, well, even if you get the scholarship, we have no money to fly you out there. How are you going to do it? I said, one step at a time. And uh, and then I won Writers of the Future and you get a check uh, right away for your prize money. So second place, I got 750 bucks. Well, there was my airplane tickets. So so you just you keep finding a way. You never give up on your dreams. Um, the difference between success and failure is getting up one more time than you've fallen. And uh, that's really how you have to be. You just keep getting up and say, everybody else went through this. Why should I expect that it should be any different for me? And just keep getting up and never failing to believe that this is in you. And you've got stories in you that you want the world to hear. And the only way to hear them is if they get published. That's just how it is. You're not selling out trying to sell your stories. You're actually getting your stories out. If people can pay for your stories, it means they've got readers. So you want to sell to good markets. Uh, I call them respectable markets. They don't have to be all CEPWA uh, stamped, but they, they've got to be able to pay you a nice respectable rate. And that means they made money with readers so right. they can pay you that. So that's why you search for those markets. So it's not just about seeing it in print. It's also about being read, more importantly about being read. So, all right, yeah. I hope that answers your question. So you can tell I'm a novelist uh, describing <laughs> himself as a short story writer, even in conversations. No, that's that fantastic advice. I mean, if anybody's watching, that's worth your your time just watching this video. Like, you know, that that was amazing advice. Like, um, being able to to pick yourself up, to believe in yourself, to to not give up on your goal. Like, those are are, are key points. Now, you you said you know it's an apprenticeship. Now you have you know lots of times you have to apprentice to a master. Um, and, and it sounded like from your intro that um, Dean Wesley Smith was was kind of your mentor. And then later on, Dave Farland, is that, did I, did I guess that right? Is that? Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, if we go even back further, my teacher, Mr. Gustafson in high school in Wisconsin, uh, he was my first mentor because he, he corrected all of my stories and then I would, you know, go fix it and then send them off. So I got training in high school on how to write um, and how to submit to contests and how to take rejection because there, there was a lot of rejection. Although I must admit, I, I would go to meets and, and I would take first place prizes in like there was a Wisconsin Junior Academy meet for the region. And if it was poetry, I would take it. Nonfiction, I would take first place um, and short storytelling first place. Um, so so I, I had a lot of that in me is what I'm saying. And uh, so in the later years when it got tougher is I wasn't competing against high school kids, but at the pro magazines, you're competing against New York Times bestsellers. Of course, yeah. sending short stories there that they want to increase their readership on their novels with. So then it becomes really hard. <laughs> so, so there's a big transformation and you sell very little in the beginning and have lots of rejections. So it's a different world. Um, so uh, let's see, and I, I lost your question. Go ahead. What was that again? Well, how did that relationship start with uh... Dean with Wesley Smith. So with Dean, um, so he, he, we, um, I'd taken up writing again. This was before I dedicated myself to winning Writers of the Future by submitting every quarter four, four or five years ago. Um, I had taken up writing again and big story behind that. I won't go into it why it stopped for a while, but uh, my Wife said, I saw the Nebula Awards are coming to town. This was in Eugene, Oregon. We had moved there. And uh, I said, well, she said, why don't you go? And I said, okay. And so I went to the Nebula Awards. And as I'm signing up, Dean Wesley Smith was 
he was behind Paul Paul, so it was the big reason the Nebula Awards came to such a small community, the Eugene. And he looked at my sign-up. He says, you live in Eugene. And I said, yeah. And he said, I've never met you before. He said, have you written, have you had anything published? And I said, yeah, well, long ago in high school, I'd won the Scholastic Writing Awards and Science World picked it up. And he asked, how much did they pay me? And what was their circulation? And he stopped and he goes, that's a pro sale. You're a published writer. And for the rest of the convention, he's taking me up to Gene Wolfe and Tim Powers and all these names that are icons to me. And he goes, have you met Moon? He's a published writer. Have you met Moon? He's a published writer. And I was just red as a lobster through this whole, through the whole Nebula Awards convention. And when I got done, I realized, you know, I must have done something pretty good that it meant that much to Dean. And then Dean told me, he said, if you want to keep writing, he said, we've got this group in town called the Wordos. He said, why don't you come join us? And so that's that's where I got into a group with some very high-powered writers. And that is where I ultimately got my sale to um, Star Trek in Strange New Worlds 2 called Seventh Heaven. Um, Dean is an interesting mentor. If you ever get to meet him, he's he's a tough mentor. He tells you straight on what you need to do, and he expects you to do it. So, so mentoring with Dean is like, he'll, he'll tell you, see that water over there? Oh, you don't know how to swim? Jump in. That's how you learn. So that's that's Dean's approach. And it's a good approach. He expects you to do the work. And so I did the work and I submitted. And that's how I got that one sale uh, there. And I had lots of other contest wins um, that kept me going too. Uh, and then years later, of course, uh, I won Writers of the Future. But I actually, why I got this sought the scholarship to superstars is because I knew David Farland was there and I had never been able to afford to take one of his workshops, but I knew he was teaching there. And if I won the scholarship, it was pretty much included. So I had to win that scholarship. So I, so I submitted to that and I won, you know, you get awarded it. There's a committee that goes through all of the applicants, but it's, it's, you know, it's a big deal. It's a, it's worth about $1,000 when you get this scholarship. And uh, that allowed me to go take a class with David Farland. That was my way to do that. But I also met Kevin J. Anderson, one of the top paid writers in the country in science fiction and fantasy. Um, now even doing better because of the Dune movies and how well those are doing. And he's been writing the Dune prequels and sequels. So you get to hear from these top names and you start absorbing what you need to do to be uh, career oriented, not just to write a story, but, you know, how do you develop a career and how do you actually make a living in writing? So it was very critical for me not only to have a workshop with David Farland, but then you become friends. And then I won Writers of the Future, of course, as soon as I won the scholarship. So then they fly out to Hollywood. And here's for a week. I spent a week with David Farland and Tim Powers learning what it takes to actually make a career in writing. So, so you get mentored and then they fly in all of these great names that, you know, they've got Nancy Kress, they've got uh, Kevin J. Anderson, uh, sometimes Brandon Sanderson, they fly all these people in and they do, you know, one hour flash sessions uh, in the workshop with you where they're teaching the best things they know in that hour to help you grow as a writer and build a career, not just to write well, but to build a career. So all of that you funnel in and soak up. 
and then Dave and I were friends after after that. And uh, just I was a, he he had me on his Apex Writers Group. Uh, got to be interviewed by him there. Got to help uh, a lot of writers there sharing what I do and encourage them. So that's how it all grew. And uh, sadly, we lost him last. I think it was December, November, something like that. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so that put me in a tailspin for a while and my dad died from COVID a couple months later. So anyway, I have, I have recouped and am moving forward and I wish Dave could have seen what I've done with the super secrets and my, uh, Kickstarter, what it's doing right now for my, my first big book on writing. Yeah. Like Dave Farland was, um, before I had any credibility before I, I mean, I don't have credibility now, but before I interviewed anybody, he he was my first interview, like a New York Times bestselling author. Like that's how generous he was. Like he didn't know me from Adam, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll interview with it." Like, and this was before I had my podcast. This was eleven years ago, twelve years ago, before um, I, I wanted to do this, and I just did an email back and forth um, with him for a while. And then when I decided to do this, um, I emailed him again. I'm like, "Hey, like you talked with me a long time ago. Like, uh, would you mind being doing a, a video with me?" And he's like, "Yeah." And in fact, that video, I'm hoping to be out um, soon. The, the audio is out and it's been out for almost a year. But I, I asked his wife if I could have permission because I didn't want to disrespect you know, him because I have the video and I didn't want to disrespect. Like, and, and she was like, yeah, put it out there, please. So that's that's coming out here pretty soon. Yeah, it's but, nice. He did a lot of interviews. And so he still speaks, even though he's gone, his words are still here and very very kind-hearted and generous i mean he did things i i, I never told him how how financially uh, disadvantaged i was uh but he seemed to sense that and did some nice things bought a custom-made piece of jewelry for his wife from my wife that makes jewelry he did some things so i was actually able to eat while we were because you know you just get some dinners covered when you're in Hollywood, but you know, you've got to buy your breakfast and lunch. And I didn't, I wouldn't have had another way to eat without Dave doing a few things that, that helped help me out. So, he, but he did, he did so many things. Uh, when he developed his apex writers group, he, he contacted me and he said, moon, he said, I've seen all the things you're doing for writers. And he said, I really appreciate it. He said, I'm developing this writing group and I want you to be the first person in. And uh, I said, okay, well, thank you so much, you know, it's kind of floors you. And he said, and he said, I figure maybe this time of year, it's probably a little bit hard to come up with the funds for it. He said, I'm covering your first year, which was, which was several hundred dollars. So I was like, wow. So, but he did lots of things like this behind the scenes that people never knew. Um, and uh, he wasn't just generous with his time. He was generous with his funds, generous with helping people. Uh, when he had me on Apex to interview me, his writing group, uh, he told everybody to use me as their editor because I do editing. And it's like, these are the people that come to Dave. You know, these are his customers. <laughs> and, uh, and and he was telling them, use Moon. <laughs> He's a good editor. So um, he was just like that. Uh, and I just love that. And that's, to me, the example to set for all of us. You know, I, I see this saying where people say, when I get to the top of the mountain, I'm going to turn around and help others. No way. If that if all you do is try to get to the top of the mountain and never reach back to help people, you won't do that once you get there either. So we all have power. This is what I say. We all have power right now. 
And there's always somebody behind us that could use a helping hand. So why not turn around right where we're at right now and reach out just out of the goodness of our hearts and help somebody else behind us. So, And the odd thing is, it rewards you uh, in, in weird ways, I found, um, just by helping others. Just It just does. So anyway. No, and that, that's great advice as well. And, you know, and really that's what mentors do is they they see or sense what their um, apprentices need, whether that's, you know, unseen or, or seen, you know, whether it's helpful with a story or like, like you said, like financial or, or even just a, a, a shoulder to cry on or whatever. And that's, that's what, what mentors do. And, and Dave was a great example of that. That's for sure. And it, it sounds like you're like that too. So. I learned from the best. He's the, he was the best. Yeah. yeah. So I try, try to walk in his footsteps. So, so what are some of your writing habits? Uh, I'm a project writer, so I have to be excited about something. Um, and then it's like a manic dash to the end. So this is how I enter flow state, which is where your whole mind envelops your writing. You enter a writing trance and your best works come about. So I usually am thinking a lot of times about my ideas and uh, every now, but when anthologies come, you don't have time to think you just got to write. So you look at their theme, you do research on it and you try to collect up enough of the information that you can just launch. Um, and so that's how it works for me. I do a lot of nonfiction writing. I have a series called uh, Wolf Moon Super Secrets in Dreamforge magazine. So I, I write a regular series of writing in that magazine. Um, and then I do editing as well. So I have lots of editing. Uh, not uh, It was all free in my Super Secrets workshop. Uh, but then people said, well, I want more. I want you to edit more of my stories. And it's like, well, I already have 20 people I'm doing this for for free. You know, I can't I can't take my writing time away from that. And uh, they'd say, well, why, why can't we pay you to edit our stories? And I, I said, well, I'm just doing this to help people. I'm not doing this to, you know, make a business out of it. And after six months, there was this one, one writer that just kept on me and on me. And so I finally said, okay, I'll charge you this much and I'll start editing. And that just grew from there. So now I have a full-scale editing business too. Um, but I still spend time with all of my Wolfpack writers going over um, there, we, we go through openings of their stories. We go through flash stories. So it's less time I have to spend to give them pointers and help. And I can see right away through smaller pieces what they need to do. So then I, I give them that help there. But yeah, so um, I, I, I always wanted to win Rise of the Future to transition to novels. Um, and this weird thing happened where I'm now a writing coach and, uh, um, and I'm okay with that. So it takes a lot of time, but I'm helping a lot of people get published in publications that, that I wanted to submit to, but I'm helping them get theirs there. And, and, and that's gratifying too. Now I'm going to have to scale back after this Kickstarter, uh, but in the Kickstarter, I'm teaching uh, four master classes and three workshops over the next six months. 
uh, four master classes and three webinars. Um, so it's going to keep me very busy during that time helping other writers learn what it takes to write a pro story that will sell. So, uh, but then my wife says, now you can take six months off after that and just finish your novel. So I have several novels uh, at 80,000 words and more, and I just have to I have to find the time, block it out so I can get them done. So that's my next goal. That's why I wanted to win Writers of Future. I had a detour helping a bunch of other people. And oddly enough, it made a full-time writing career for me. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's what I was saying, how, how in weird ways it comes back to you as you're helping others. So that, That's fantastic. Moon, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Go ahead and tell people how they can get a hold of you um, and and get the the things that, that you provide, the the Kickstarter, the, you know, the super secrets. Um, uh, illustrated volume one that, that's out now go ahead and you know facebook any instagram or, or social media go ahead and tell people how they can get a hold of you all right so my website is the supersecrets.com so the supersecrets.com or you can do um the wolf moon uh, .com. Um, but you gotta remember wolf w-u-l-f um but the supersecrets.com will take you to what I'm doing with the super secrets right now. And that's the workbook that we talked about. So um, I printed 151 of these for Fanex. I sold out of them in two weeks. So I haven't reprinted them because it takes a good chunk of money to print that many. Um, so the Kickstarter is helping me fund the next print run on them. So you can actually order the illustrated super secrets of writing this workbook inside of the kickstarter right now in a, that's an add-on that you can get inside of there in addition to of course my book how to write a howling good story so which is all my super secrets that helped all these other writers get published and win awards and actually many now have pro careers they're not just unpublished writers anymore in this time period since i did this many of them are now professional writers um and then let's see uh so my Kickstarter, again, is if you just go to Kickstarter and type in Wolf Moon or How to Write a Howling Good Story, it'll pop right up. Uh, search in nonfiction, you'll see it in the top one to four uh, of all of their Kickstarters. Um, my Facebook is where I do most of my posts. You'll see lots of our kitties and and uh, my, my life. Uh, and that is, let's see, Wolf wolfmoon.94 um, but just again w-u-l-f for wolfmoon and then on twitter i am wolfmoon1 so on twitter and what else is there i think um, those are, are you going answers. are you going anywhere i know you're going i i saw and this might be wrong are, are you going to l-t-u-e yeah so this year in february yeah so thanks for bringing that up february 15th I'm teaching two master classes at LTUE. So it was nice to be invited to LTUE. I've always wanted to go. And now this is a great time. I'm actually teaching master classes there. So you can learn how to write a howling good plot. That's my first four hour master class. And then I built that as a foundation for the next one, which is in the afternoon, how to write winning stories that take the gold. So the first class gives you the fundamentals of writing that I've been talking about that you need to know. And then I build on that with now, here's what you need to know to win prof pro uh, professional contests. Because there are additional things you need to do to not just make a pro story, but a story that will outpace every other one in the pack. 
So those two workshops are going to be at LTUE February 15th. And I hope to see you there. And these will be live workshops. So that'll be nice. I've done lots of virtual workshops. My workshops almost always sell out. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm telling the truth and people know this. So even when I've done webinars, uh, 50 people in a class, they sell out. So um, so anyway, I hope people will come join me there at LTUE. I'm looking forward to it. I've always heard about the conference. I've heard great things. Uh, there's some great people there, and I look forward to being a part of that and helping others there. So lots of students are there, too, that want to learn how to write science fiction. That's fantastic. Are you going to any other conventions? I know you're going to be busy with the Kickstarter for the next you know, little while, but are you, so if people want to meet you, are you going to any other conventions next year? <laughs> Uh, haven't planned that far out. <laughs> so, uh, Fanex in Salt Lake City again. I hope that I'll be invited back for that. Now, they're very good to their writers. And so, uh, I'm hoping that I'll be contacted again by the person in charge of programming because that was a wonderful convention and great people there. I love the people of Fanex, big readers, lots of good readers there. So, uh, I have been talking Dragon Con, I've never gone to it. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it's it's on the other side of the country for me. I'm on the West Coast. That's on the East Coast. So we'll see if I can get to that. I'd like to get there one of these days, but I would like to be invited as an author guest because it really helps you out financially when when you get that. So right. Yeah. So well, I, I hope we get to see you again. Um, I hope we get to talk again. This this has been great. So thank you so much for getting on. I appreciate your time. Yeah, Carson. Thanks for having me, and all the best to your your fans there. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.